This episode of the Lutheran Ladies Lounge podcast contains a frank and open discussion of women's reproductive health issues. Listener discretion is advised. Lounge Podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm Erin. I'm Bree. And I'm Rachel. And we're in studio again, which means we have an in-studio guest, which is super exciting. We get to talk about health today, but we are not talking about COVID, so don't turn this off just yet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> What's COVID? I'm what is right? that? <laughs> we're talking about something near and dear to all of our hearts as women, which is women's health and we have a special guest in studio today to talk about that with us Erin this is a one question interview so you can take it away yeah so today I am pretty excited to have one of our missionaries here with us this missionary I actually work pretty pretty closely with this is Steph Schulte and she is actually a missionary who lives in the Republic of Congo there's two Congos Big Congo and Little Congo. This is the little one. And how many times have you had to explain that to people? Oh, well, it's the trouble is the big one always shows up in the news. Like if you try and Google it, you're going to see mostly stuff about the big one, and yeah. it's not as encouraging Sins for of the people father that might that. want to uh-huh. go. <laughs> so anyway, um, Steph is a missionary, and she's actually worked in Africa for a lot of years, but. She is also a nurse and has worked as a nurse in the U.S. as well as in various countries in Africa. And so I have been sort of thinking about this episode for a while, and I was trying to think about who I could, who we could have to have this conversation with, and I thought Steph would be great. So here is the one question, Steph. Okay. <laughs> what are Lutheran ladies not talking about that they should be? I'm guessing, because I only <laughs> hang out with African Lutheran ladies. Uh-huh. <laughs> Generally. But I'm guessing that people are not talking about the different health measures and different health things that they should be kind of looking out for as younger women and then as they age older women. So that was my theory. And my theory was that even though like I hear sometimes presentations from from you and other people that have worked in Africa and they're like there's a there's a challenge in just general education about that, but honestly, I feel that there's some similarity between what I hear about in these places in Africa and honestly here in the US cuz once we're out of school, it's like unless you just have your own interest in that, where do you hear about that and where do you talk about it? We we don't usually talk a lot about, I don't know, about how our bodies work. And so I thought, who better to talk about that with than a nurse who has some experience uh, with this sort of thing. So, Steph, tell us first a little bit about what you do in Africa as far as health education goes. Okay. So I... Usually my job is two parts, hosting and coordinating Mercy Medical Teams, but 
I know we're not supposed to talk about COVID, but because of COVID, <laughs> I'll allow that, it. <laughs> that is on hold for at least a year. We just can't imagine bringing a bunch of Americans, because we're the hot spot, and to a whole a place in Africa where we gather, you know, hundreds of people around us every day and potentially start a giant outbreak of COVID. So those are on hold for a year. But thankfully, I have another part of my job, which is community health education or community health evangelism. And it's um, it's a development program, but it's also wrapped up in the gospel. The gospel is very much a part of it. And we talk about, we could talk about everything. We talk about there's agriculture, education, mental health kind of things. But a lot of what I've been focusing on is health issues and particularly health issues for women. So I, I just, I love it. I really do love that part of my job. Um, but it's also kind of heartbreaking when I, so we start these seminars and the ladies are real kind of timid about asking questions. And then after a day, maybe a day and a half of me just always being encouraging, never, you know, like, oh, that was a dumb question or, oh, that was the wrong answer. Then they kind of start to open up. And then sometimes the questions they ask me, I just, all I can do is say, please don't, just please don't do that. You know, just different ideas that they have about how they should take care of their bodies. So it's, uh, personally, I find it just very rewarding. I love building the relationships with the ladies and I just really, it really is my favorite thing. (laughs) (laughs) I am really curious about, you know, the different, obviously you've been a nurse both in the United States and in, in Africa. What are the cultural differences, the key ones in how the different contexts regard both health in general and women's health? Like what, what's the difference there? Well, one of the big differences is women in the States, we are much more proactive about like if something doesn't feel right or if something's, you know, seems wrong, we're usually pretty proactive about going to see a doctor, going to urgent care, something like that. But something we've noticed, it, for example, on these Mercy Medical Teams, these women will come and they'll say, and they, you know, they're very like embarrassed about saying it, but they'll say, I have this pain every month. Do, do I have cancer? And you just want to, you just want to hug them and yeah. say, no, that's normal. Everybody has it. But somehow it's just not something that they, you, you, you'd think that grandma would tell mom and mom would tell daughter, but it, that doesn't, in my experience, that doesn't seem to happen as much. So that's yeah, crazy. that's uh, yeah. yeah, it's, it's, it's really hurts me to, to see women thinking that they're, you know, living in the, with this anxiety when they really, I don't think need to. 
that's not to say that women in the U.S. don't do the same thing. <laughs> like, you know, I... Everything got... hurts and I'm dying. Yeah. Yeah, WebMD is no help to oh us. Oh, my either. goodness. <laughs> it's Dr. the worst. I, have to, I feel pain every month. Oh, it is cancer. Oh, no. Yeah, right. <laughs> Edit that out. <laughs> I can't tell you how many memes there are in the medical world about WebMD oh. <laughs> and how much oh, we yes. love it. Oh, right. Such a blight on society. Oh, man. <laughs> what are some of the, the most common things that come up uh, whenever you do these community health seminars? What are some of the, the, common, the common stuff? Um, it can be things that are, you know, strictly related to women. Like I go through the whole process of childbirth and explain what's happening. She has an amazing <laughs> crocheted, yes. like model that allows her to sh- like of like the, of the feminine reproductive system and the baby yes. with the umbilical cord to what? show like how it all works. It's it's so that's it's phenomenal. So cool. That is awesome. <laughs> it's very cool. Yes. How many people can say my knitted uterus? <laughs> <laughs> One person can say that, and that's it. I have to I'm, give credit I, where credit is due. Krista Young, who works as mm-hmm. in East Africa, mm-hmm. I just recently found out it's her friend who made that for me. I oh. got it through Sarah Kanoy, but it was Krista's friend who made it. So oh, nice. yeah, that's fun. <laughs> So com- common things. Well, they'll ask about hygiene a lot. Like mm-hmm. how do we, you know, where should we clean and how should we clean and douching. Like mm-hmm. they, it's like a big thing. Like people talk about that, you know, and then they, they told this was the first time that I cried when they told me something is what they told me. Yeah, well, we use bleach. <gasps> And I, I just, that Whoa. was my reaction. And oh I did, goodness. I teared up and I said, please, just please don't ever do that Whoa. ever again. And I explained. Although if you, if you look at historical, like I'm a, I love vintage ads. Lysol used to overtly advertise itself <gasps> as a feminine hygiene product. Wow. Um, so like we think of it, it came from somewhere. It came yeah, from here. You're right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Man. Don't do that to that area. <laughs> yeah. no. Don't do that. No. Well, I think they see it as the strongest yeah. thing to clean. Yeah. So it's got to be the best. And yeah, mm. so they, so that was, that that really hurt my heart when they told me that. But then just things, then just general things like um, gastric ulcers are a huge problem. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of it is related to just eating patterns. They eat a little bit for breakfast. Of course, I have to, you know, say the caveat that I'm, this is all general. Mm-hmm. And I can't say every single African is like this. I mean, it's a continent. So. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. This is just my <laughs> general experience. There. And mostly in West and some in Central Africa. So now that I've said that. <laughs> well, and let, uh, Before you continue, let me ask, just like on an annual basis, let's say, how many people do you, how many women do you see? Through the Mercy Medical Teams or the uh, Well, I mean, the bo- either. Let's say well, in a previous year. Yeah. yeah okay. Obviously, not, not we'll this eliminate year. this year. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Really. But so um, generally, when we hold these Mercy Medical teams, we have oh, I don't know, a couple thousand people that will come through, 
And you're, you're going to guess that roughly half of those are women. So maybe a thousand women. So that's, that's per trip. Per trip. Yeah. Wow. And we'd been doing three a year at, in West Africa. And then now these uh, chase seminars are much more intimate. It's me a and... A much more extended time, yes. right? Mercy Medical Team, you see someone briefly and then they move along. Exactly. Um. Yeah. We're not building any relationship or anything like mm-hmm. that. But the Che thing is, yeah, it's 10 to 20 women. And we spend a whole week together. And we're, you know, every day, all day. It's exhausting. (laughs) (laughs) So, and I've done, I think last year I did three week-long Che seminars. So what's that, like between 30 and 50 women? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. What is the the multiplying effect of these? Have you noticed any of that when you get to spend this time and build these relationships? Do these are these women then able to? Oh, that is that's the whole reason. That's yeah. the she goal. Talk about yes. that. Yeah. 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 So, okay, in East Africa, I was blessed to go and lead one of these seminars with Sarah Kanoi mm-hmm. in Tanzania, and because it was in the community that she lived in, she was able to get some real hard follow-up data. Mm-hmm. And and now I'm not going to remember how many. <laughs> <laughs> but so we talked about hand-washing stations oh, and yeah. how important it is to wash your hands. And it's something like 20 new hand-washing stations that they have built on their own. And I think like seven or eight, maybe more. Sarah's going to kill me when I'm messing up all our numbers. But a lot of latrines have been have been constructed as well. So from from that experience, you know, we have actual numbers of how many. But a lot of times the women that I work with, it's not in the community that I live in. Mm -hmm. So I don't get a ton of opportunity for follow up. But. So we lived in Togo for 12 and a half years. I feel very comfortable with the people there. So that's where I always start. I always say I'm going to inflict it on them first. (laughs) They have to love me. And so I've done three Che seminars there. And two of them, the president, so the current president of the Lutheran Church of Congo, his wife, he was teaching at the Clet at the time. That's the seminary there. Oh, sorry. Yeah. okay. And he, his wife was heavily involved in the what they have called the women's school, and that's my group of ladies that I come and teach. So I have had the opportunity since then to talk to her about, you know, how, like, did this have any effect on the women? Did they share this information? And she kept assuring me, yes, they are very excited. They share it with their neighbors. They share it with their friends and family. They are now back in Congo permanently where we live. And so once we can get back and kind of get settled and get things going, she wants me to start like a, a Che program. Full model. There. And yeah. she's she's going to be my star. Like, <laughs> she's just awesome. Her name is Leonie, and I love her. <laughs> <laughs> what is the need for this there? With all of the, I mean, there must have been a need that perpetuated the, this community health education or evangelism, this program? Yeah, a lot of times, I particularly see it in West Africa, women, they just do not have the opportunity to go to school. Mm. Not very, 
if they can go, maybe it's a couple of years. But a lot of women just never have the opportunity to go to school at all. So they don't have any French or English, whatever the colonial national language is. And so their sources of uh, information are very limited. So, you know, these countries do have public, some public health systems, and, you know, they try to share information. But if you don't speak that language, you're not going to understand what they're saying. Mm -hmm. So really, this all started about 25 years ago when we were in Togo the first time. (laughs) And I would see, like, people would come to me because I was a foreigner, somehow that for in their minds equated we with me with a medical personal hmm. person and I was not a nurse at the time and so I would just see lots of things that you know this could have been so easily prevented like mm-hmm. if you just had washed that wound with soap and water when you first got it it wouldn't be this gaping nasty thing now mm-hmm. Or, you know, if you could consistently sleep under mosquito nets, then you wouldn't be maybe struggling so much with malaria. Or just, you know, if you could boil your water, just preventive kind of things Mm -hmm. like that. So when we were there the first time, I was busy raising kids and homeschooling and all that kind of stuff. And then we had to leave Africa due to a civil war. We left completely unexpectedly. Uh, But... God had a plan, and we ended up in the U.S. for 14 years. And during that time, I was able to go to nursing school and then worked as a nurse down at Barnes Jewish for five years. Mm -hmm. So I got to get a lot of good experience and build my confidence as a nurse. And then when the opportunity to return to Africa, we that had been our goal all along. We wanted to get back to Africa. So when the opportunity came, we were like, yes. So, yeah, this, my whole, like, quest, I guess, for... Destiny. <laughs> for Che kind of stuff and development and medical prevention started from you know, just watching my friends and neighbors suffer with a lot of stuff that I just, they didn't have to suffer like that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I'm interested because you had mentioned how the community health evangelism sort of ties in with the gospel. I'm interested in, can you tell us a little bit more about how that works? Sure. So each lesson, well, there are some that are written that don't have any gospel tie-in, but every time I've taught one. I make sure there's a gospel tie-in. So we relate it to something like maybe a story from the Bible or just a big part of it is just continually encouraging women. You are loved. God sees you. God knows who you are because that's a big thing in Africa to be seen and to be heard. They don't feel seen or heard a lot. Mm. So if you can reassure people God sees you, God hears you, that just that means a lot and that you are a beautiful creature of God and and the way you are is how God made you mm-hmm. and you don't have to think it's bad or wish that you were a man or mm-hmm. you know being a woman is beautiful and mm-hmm. so i try to I try to bring that in all the time i'm not you know, I'm not perfect. I don't (laughs) always do the greatest job at it. And sometimes I say things and they're like, 
I say that and they say that. I feel seen now. <laughs> what? Why did I say that? <laughs> Stay up at night. Thinking about it. Yeah, and it's not a podcast, so I can't just erase it. I'm curious about your perspective. You know, obviously you've had the opportunity to leave the American context and coming back from the outside with that fresh perspective, what it must look like to you, the kinds of conversations we have around women's health. And of course, in this political climate, um, (laughs) women's health, especially women's reproductive health, basically just means uh, birth control, especially abortion. And that we don't often get beyond that in our discourse, especially not within our church communities, that we get to the politics and then we just stop. And yet, I think as a healthcare provider, you would see that health care is always about care and, and not just caring about political issues, but caring about one another. How do you see the conversation about women's health in this country and and what i don't know would you like to see us saying to one another well that's a big question yeah it is that's a whole other episode (laughs) (laughs) well what i you know my first thought is i don't have very many conversations about women's health with my friends lutheran or Mm non-lutheran i just don't like you said everybody gets worked up about the politics and I don't think people just talk about how can we support each other? Like, can we just remind each other, hey, I did get my pap smear last year. It was horrible, but you can survive it too. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right. Yeah. But it's important. Uh... Or, or I did get my mammogram last year. It was also horrible, but I survived. <laughs> and you can too. You probably want to cut that out. Why is it that so much of women's health is so horrible? Like, like the preventative stuff. Why does it have to be so bad? Because it was invented by men. (laughs) She went there. She went there. (laughs) That's also why we can't talk about it because um, you know, and it makes and you know, putting putting the shoe on the other foot. You know, when the men talk about their specific health issues, it makes me a little uncomfortable. So I can understand why, you know, certain words and conversation topics related to women's health would be the sort of thing better left for the the ladies lounge and not the fellowship hall. That's right. It's a lack of familiarity. (laughs) Multi-purpose room. (laughs) So what are some things, well, here's an example. So I realized, um, so I'm in my mid 40s and I realized, you know what, I don't have any idea how old my mom was when she started going into menopause. Hmm. That's not something we ever talked about because my guess is like, I don't know. That's sort of a weird thing. A little while back I was at home and we were sitting out on the on the deck and I was like, Hey, mom, how old were you? <laughs> um, and but again, that isn't something like 
I don't know. Have you have you guys asked your mom that? Do you know how old your mom was when she went into menopause? I kind of remember how old I was ish, because I wasn't. Oh, maybe I don't. Great menopause. Time-ish? Wait, when, when your mom. mom? When my mom. <laughs> oh. Whoa! Oh, I remember how old I was when my All mom. Right. Whoa! <laughs> but like, yeah. we haven't had a conversation about that. No. I mean, so like, no. what would be sort strange? of things should we? Ask, what would be good things for us to ask our moms? Yeah. Um, yeah. like for family health, like, hey, I should, question. I should know this about my mom because that might have insight for me and my own health. This is um, perfect. My mom is yeah. staying with me right now. Give me a list. Get her in here, Rachel. Get her in here. Uh, what what thoughts do you have? That that is an excellent question because there are a lot of women's health issues that can you know are directly related to our moms or our aunts. So yeah, it would be that would be a good question to ask. When did you go through menopause? And that of course, you know, your dad contributed to you, so it's not going to tell you 100% I will start <laughs> menopause on this day. But it'll it'll give you an idea, and it can also kind of give you an idea of what kind of things that they experienced. Mm-hmm. Like, did mm. they have a lot of hot flashes? Did they, you know, did they have the mood swings and things like that? And I think often it's nice to, not nice to know, but if you know that a mood swing is, that mood swings are a normal part of this, it, it makes it less scary and mm-hmm. less like, oh, right. golly, what's wrong with me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But also any kind of history of breast cancer would be very important to find out about not just your mom, but your her sisters and your grandma, you know, anything like that. And honestly, any kind of cancer that would be important, like um, colorectal cancer. These are these are types of cancers that have a very strong familial Bent, I guess mm-hmm. you know your your risk is much higher if you have a someone in your direct line that suffered from that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, those would be good questions to ask. What about the other way? So I don't have kids, but for a bunch of the ladies in our lounge, they have they have daughters who mm-hmm. maybe are adults, but maybe a bunch of them have daughters who are actually younger. What are things that you ought to? I don't know, Rachel. Rachel has has daughters. <laughs> what are things that would be really good to talk with daughters about? Yes, um, please. My, um, I'm in the, I, have a, I have a teenager and a pre-adolescent. And um, so, yes, this is very, very relevant to have me. Have you had the talk? <laughs> Little bits and pieces of it, but I'm not sure no, I did it right. Just the birds, not the bees. <laughs> Isn't there some CPH book or something? You uh, I'm sure there is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you you want to, before they have their first period, you want to talk to them about all of that and how to deal with that and that it's normal and that, it you know, you can have cramping and things like that. And then just talk about, you know, as you prepare for getting married, you're going to want to make sure that you have a gynecologist, someone that you trust Mm -hmm. that you can go and see. And, you know, you can talk with your gynecologist about if you're going to use birth control or what kind, things like that. So I have a daughter as well. And I'm pretty sure I've told, when she listens to this later, she'll tell me, (laughs) no, you never told me about that. Um, But I'm pretty sure I told her like 
like when I went through menopause, honestly, I had some hot flashes, but really nothing more than that. So I was trying to encourage her, like, you know, it, at least for me, it wasn't that bad. And my mom had told me the same thing, that it really wasn't that bad for her. So that just, I don't know, just being open about it and making, like, just like with anything when you talk to your kids, if you're open and honest about what you, what ha- has happened to you, then they'll feel more comfortable coming mm. in and talking about Can I about confess something? Sure. Go for I've, it. I've heard of menopause, and I kind of know the symptoms associated with it, but I don't actually know what it is, because nobody told me. It's, let's have Call your talk. mom. Let's, have talk right now. let's go. Can we talk about it? It's yeah. the change. <laughs> Reverse the curse. <laughs> Tell us, nurse staff. So that's, yes, you no longer have a period. This yes. Is nothing. No one ever says, darn, I wish I could yeah. have that again. It's true. <laughs> um <laughs> But it, there are other hormonal changes and things, and some women really do have a hard time with it. Like I've mentioned hot flashes, but they can have some serious mood swings. And there's also the whole psychological thing of, or well, maybe I wasn't really psychologically ready to not have any more children, but now I can't. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, that can kind of hit some people by, by surprise. It doesn't happen all at once either. It's not no. just like no, an on-off like off switch. Right, yeah. Uh-huh. And it, it and you don't, honestly, I didn't even really realize it was happening until several months in. And I was like, interesting. Oh. Yeah. So, <laughs> Like, do you go to a doctor and you're like, this is happening to me? And then they're like, you're in menopause. Congratulations. Like, or like. Do you just kind of guess? Well, <laughs> yeah, honestly, I don't know how this works. I don't know how this works. So if you're having like serious changes in your body, then you're going to, you can have like, you can have vaginal dryness. That can be a real issue for some, for some women. If things like that are coming up that are really bothering you, then yeah, for sure. Go and talk to your doctor and, you know, let them know what's going on because they, these can all be signs of other things too Mm -hmm. and so if it's a serious thing like something that's really affecting how you live your life then you for sure want to get that checked out rather than oh well it's just menopause you know Mm -hmm. so especially if it crops up between those like annual or triannual annual exams (laughs) or whatever (laughs) (laughs) well because it's a it's a change in your hormones exactly so it's i mean and hormones affect like everything mm-hmm. so stupid ones. yeah so you can come up call with all your kinds mom of stuff. and then call your doctor yes <laughs> if you're <laughs> i find it so funny that and i have i have medical people in my family too how quickly once it becomes known that you are in the medical profession that people start asking you really weird personal questions <laughs> i have one for you too actually oh, okay <laughs> When we're talking about women's health and reproductive health, one thing that I think comes up, it comes up every year for me with my teenage children's well-child checkups, is this really strong push by healthcare professionals to get everyone 
vaccinated for HPV. I was going to ask about that. I that figured that's where too. you were going. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I mean, the conversation I've had with my kids is this is what this vaccine is for. This is not relevant to you. I'm not a huge fan of giving medicine for something that's not indicated but it's your choice. Um, I'll support you either way. And so far they've all said, ew, no, why would I want that? And I just then back them up at the doctor's office. But I'm curious what your feeling is about the about this particular vaccine that comes up very early on mm-hmm. in yeah. women's yeah. health. It's a big decision, but one that there is not a whole lot of conversation about. Yeah. Isn't it like at nine? It's just like, yeah, it's like nine. It's It's really early. early. Yeah. Yeah. And I have the same reaction and our daughter did not get the HPV. She's just going to kill me for all these things I'm saying. (laughs) I'm not sending her the link. (laughs) But, but I had this, that was my exact reaction. Like this is to prevent So for people who don't know, the HPV vaccination is ostensibly to prevent cervical cancer, but it's cervical cancer that is caused by a sexually transmitted illness. That's the way you get HPV. And cervical cancer is a big deal. And Mm -hmm. I don't want to say it's bad that they got this vaccination going, because it's not. But it's so, like you mentioned earlier, politics it, mm-hmm. And all that, it gets all wrapped up in that. Like, we're yeah. pushing sexuality on our kids at nine. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, now mom and dad decide if your kid is going to be sexually active and needs to have this vaccination. And full disclosure, I don't know a ton about the vaccination. I don't know how long ahead you have to get it for it to be protective. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it seems to me like that's something that... Uh, you can talk about it with your daughter. You can explain what this is all about and what this is for. And then, you know, maybe she can make that decision. Like, I don't think it would be a bad thing to get before you get married, unfortunately, because, you know, yeah. there's there's a possibility yeah. of something happening. But I think it's just a weird thing to push on kids that are not even, you know, haven't even hit puberty yet. So, and I don't think it's the kind of vaccination that takes six years, you know, so that they can be ready when they do, when Mm -hmm. they would become sexually active. So, yeah, I, but then I have another very good friend who's a physician, who's a strong Christian, who says, absolutely, she, you know, had her, her daughter had the vaccination. So it's, yeah, there's not like one right answer Mm -hmm. of how Mm -hmm. to do it. But it's a good thing to talk about with your with your kids and, you know, kind of explain what it's all about and, you know, why why do people want them to to have this? So. Mm-hmm. And for sure, it's a it's definitely something that I think every person needs to think about. I'm reminded, again, total history nerd here of a large number of otherwise chase Christian women in the Victorian age who died of syphilis because of their husbands' indiscretions. And it it is okay to be proactive in safeguarding your health in that way and not necessarily just assume that everything's going to come up roses for you all the time. 
Hmm. Yeah. And I think sorry, that went really in a weird. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think sometimes as Christians too, we worry. Well, if she gets this vaccination, she's going to feel like woohoo. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and that's all about the relationship that you have with your daughter, absolutely, or or with your nieces, or you know whoever you have a relationship with in that you can talk to about stuff like that. So mm-hmm. well, and I think yeah. we're somewhat deluding ourselves if if we think that oh, they won't get the vaccine and then they're going to be afraid to do this as if like if you think that's what's going to actually be the trigger, <laughs> then you're then you're deluding yourself yes. that <laughs> this is somehow oh, no, <laughs> I didn't get the vaccine. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, uh, Billy. I can't. Yeah. It's ATV. <laughs> Vaccine didn't so, get it. So there's, it's definitely not how you know, it's not there, how it goes, dude. You should definitely have more of the conversations and develop that relationship there indeed, because the vaccine is not going to be the thing that's going to actually trigger behaviors. So what are things, I know you, you did a little homework in advance of, <laughs> of this uh, session because you were like, I want to be sure I'm current and accurate. So what are things, what are some typical things that, just in general, as a public service announcement, women should be aware of? Like, what should you be doing when? So everybody should be getting their blood pressure checked at least once a year. Mm -hmm. I don't know if this is so much a thing anymore, but I'm old. And when I was not old... Women didn't die of heart attacks, or it wasn't something that we that was ever talked about much mm-hmm. when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. That was a man's disease, but that is not true. Women do uh, suffer from cardiac disease, so just well, just getting an annual physical, they'll check your blood pressure, they'll check your blood levels. So it's important to keep an, a, an eye on blood pressure, of course, like diabetes and things like that just all the general things that everybody should be watching out for Mm -hmm. but for women you know if we've all heard do a monthly breast or self breast exam there and I do know people I personally know people who found lumps that way so Mm -hmm. I I'm never going to say don't do it there is in the medical community some like oh we're not sure if it's really the that important to do so you you know you can take that as you want but it doesn't hurt anything and (laughs) Mm -hmm. it takes what two seconds or I mean well maybe a little longer 30 seconds (laughs) but it's not like it's some big involved invasive thing and it's something you can do and it probably make you feel a little better and then if you're under 40 they don't recommend any mammogram unless you have a strong family history of breast cancer like a mom or sister once you hit 40 then 40 to 59 then you should get a mammogram every one to two years unless you've had some kind of you know they saw something that they weren't sure about then they might want you to come in every year, and particularly if you have any family history. So I have an aunt who passed away from breast cancer, so I am supposed to get a mammogram every year. <laughs> I, I know, I'm it. hearing this, and I'm like, oops. The mammogram van is not coming to the IC this year either. Ah, sad. Oh. I think... <laughs> 
I'm sorry. I think most insurance covers. I think it most insurance considered preventative. preventative. Yeah, it's yeah. preventative. It's a whole lot yeah. less expensive than paying for the alternative. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that would be obviously a big thing. Men do very rarely get breast cancer, but that is mostly a, a women's thing. And then the other, you know, thing would be screening for cervical cancer, which is the pap smear. And women ages 21 to 29 should get a pap smear every three years. And then once you hit 30 to 65, every three years, unless you have some abnormal indications in your test, then mm -hmm. your doctor's going to want to do it more often. But mm -hmm. generally every three years is all you have to do for that one. Oh, and then so like bone density because women oh yeah um, you know mm -hmm. we we have a we're more prone to osteoporosis you would want but you don't like there's this dexa bone density thing you don't you really don't have to do that till i think you're like 65 or 70 even you're it's pretty advanced age before they want to do that but getting any kind of weight-bearing exercise is really good for your bones mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. keeping your calcium up, which probably should include taking a multivitamin that has calcium in it. Because, you know, I don't think, well, I know I personally, I eat yogurt, but I don't drink a whole lot of milk. And so I don't know that we get, that women in general get enough calcium. Pro tip, Flintstone vitamins do count. As <laughs> 10 million strong and growing. <laughs> I, love that they I have buy gum. them for my kids, but then that's what I take. So. Gummy vitamins <laughs> like, is the best invention yeah. ever. <laughs> and there's like women specific gummies that are like pink. Mm. So. Wow. Go to the doctor. Your calcium's really high. What? It? I'm like, I ate a jar of gummy vitamins. <laughs> really delicious. Don't eat a jar of gummy Don't vitamins. Don't do it in one sitting. Just use... Uses vitamin is green and it smells bad and it makes my pee turn neon. Yeah. Yellow. Oh, wow. It is the brightest. I'm like, wow, that wow. is effective. Probably the B vitamins uh, in that. Yeah. Probably. So everything okay, but so you were asking how far is it's going out through that vivid urine. Yeah. I said, you asked before we started how far it was too far. I think we just showed you. <laughs> well, girl, please, we have not gone far enough. <laughs> no, we have not. Well, the reason I asked is I've been a missionary for going on 20 years and a nurse for now nine years. So wow. I really have no filters. Love it. <laughs> You're my kind of person. That's why we record these things. That's correct. <laughs> Nothing's off limits in the recording studio. <laughs> well, that that brings me to another question mm -hmm. about church ladies in particular. One thing we are really good about is not talking about things that make us feel uncomfortable yep. with mm. one another. Not forcing those <laughs> conversations. Noticing when people are, are not feeling terrifically at peace with the way a conversation's going and backing off and talking about the weather or mm. the coffee or and, and that's a good thing but I think it can also lead us to neglect one another's health mm -hmm. sometimes what would you say with regard to how 
those filters both help and hinder us in caring for our neighbors' physical well-being? That's a yeah, that's a really good question. I do think that we we get embarrassed or we get embarrassed for somebody else if we notice that well, they feel a little uncomfortable with this. But, you know, it's that God made us all. He made us to function the way that we do. There's nothing bad about it. There's nothing wrong with how a female body works. And so, I mean, you may not want to, you know, discuss it at the sausage dinner in the middle of that, but while you're standing in line to get your broccoli casserole. But I, I don't think it's, I just want to encourage people like this is something that we all, we all experience. We Mm -hmm. all go through. It's part of our well, women, our natural life, and it's how God made us. And so there's nothing wrong with it. Nine times out of 10, if you ask somebody, hey, this has been happening, is this normal? They're either going to say, well, yeah, that happens to me all the time. Or they're going to say, well, I don't know. Maybe you should see a doctor. You know, it's, they're not going to publicly castigate you for asking about whatever Mm -hmm. you know so I just feel like yeah if we can and if we can just be open with each other and willing to listen and just remembering that God made all of us he made us the way we are and he made us good he Mm -hmm. was happy with how he made us so Mm -hmm. well and sort of along the lines of some of the other things we've talked about you don't necessarily have to be like demanding the other person give you the information. Mm -mm. Sometimes it's just being open about your experience. Like Mm -hmm. I did this and that sometimes is enough for people to think, huh, wonder if that's something I should be doing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe I need to look into that. And so just being more open, you know, pick, pick your times (laughs) when obviously, yeah, not keeping those sort of things so locked down i mean topic of of like menopause i'm not there yet but i'm probably gonna get there before the rest of you just because i'm the (laughs) oldest in our group you know well yes present present excluded (laughs) you must listen to me um but you know also being open about some of that with within your friend group of that, mm-hmm. you know, while you're going through it, kind of allow those sort of conversations to happen as well. And to be sort of thinking about, oh, well, Erin said she had this and she was 10 years older than me. Hmm. Maybe in about 10 years from now, I should maybe be thinking this is coming my way. Menopause uh, <laughs> countdown calendar. <laughs> Put a little reminder on your Google calendar. <laughs> from 10 years from now, menopause. Um, I think, too, the more we're willing to talk about stuff like that, the more it normalizes it. And absolutely. It doesn't seem like this big taboo, oh, I can never talk about. So, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, I'm reminded as we talk here about the the story in the Gospels of the woman who suffered, according uh, to the ESV, a woman who yes. had suffered from a discharge of blood for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. The worst. For she said to herself, if I only touch his garment, I will be made well. Jesus turned and seeing her, he said, take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. 
Jesus cares about women's health. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. the gospel writers could have left that story out because it made them uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. But they didn't. They included it. Mm -hmm. They, you know, didn't dwell on it at length, but just enough to know that our God cares about that part of us and wants us to be well and whole in all of our body, including, you know, the parts that are unique to us as women. And the gospel writers realized that that was worth including. Yeah. So I've, it just, it's been running through my head this whole conversation. So I had to, had to mention it. (laughs) Man, I can't even imagine. Can you, I can't even imagine like, Multiple months right, with a continuous a <laughs> yeah. discharge of blood. Oh my no, gosh! That would be well, horrible. Years. Yeah. Yeah. When they didn't have all the conveniences that we have. Yeah. No. And then to have like the additional socials, like there were the social a, rules that would, went with it as well. I mean, that would make her unclean. Right? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So. No worship. I for her. I mean, you could just couldn't go to church. While that was years. getting sorted out. And it's interesting. I read a, a book once by a, an archaeologist who was looking at some of the social customs. And it, it says that she touched the fringe of his garment. She didn't touch his garment. She touched the fringe, which was the one part that if it if she touched him, it wouldn't make him unclean, too. Hmm. So she was being really, really huh. careful, really uh-huh. courteous. And yet he figured it out right yeah. away, um, what was happening, and just had so much compassion for her. Yeah. And I think that's what I would love to see us as women in the church model for one another, is compassion for all of our health, mm-hmm. but including and especially the parts that maybe there's some shame and stigma attached to that we are scared to talk about. I think you, Steph, the, in your stories about your work in Africa, fear is a huge uh, impediment to mm-hmm. health, it sounds like. And shame. Like. The, mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I, I hope that our sisters in Christ who are listening will, will be able to come away from this conversation the way I have with a little bit more courage and maybe a little bit less inhibition when it comes to really caring about one another's wellness in that way. It's kind of the same thing, uh, like when I got married. Uh, you know, when when you have your own personal health issues, and even the health issues of your own family that you don't realize are health issues until you get married, because it's just normal in your family. And then you get married, and then you ask your husband, "Hey, is this a normal thing to happen? Because I noticed that it doesn't happen to you." Right. And he's like, "Yeah, no, that is definitely not a normal That's thing." That's you, brother. That yeah, is not me. Maybe I should go to a doctor and get this mm. checked out because apparently it's not normal. Uh, huh. But that translates into my friend group as well, because mm. all of the things that happen to us monthly. I didn't grow up in a friend group that was that would openly talk about that. And my mom and I don't talk about a ton of that stuff. But I have this friend group from college now that we talk about this stuff. And What's this stuff? Say it. Periods. Oh, no. <laughs> Name it. Name it. <laughs> but we can we talk about these things openly now. I mean, it's through Facebook Messenger, so it's a little less awkward because we get to type out and use these, you know, fun, angry uterus gifts every month because that is my favorite <laughs> one. Um, Wait, Steph wants to know this. You're going to have to share this yes. with her what later. I've never gift. seen this. It is, it is the best one. It's all happy, and then it gets really angry. I love it <laughs> because it's perfect. I love a good uterus gif. But... But that normalizing these conversations, though, and having friends that you can have these conversations with is hugely beneficial. I mean, 
to your physical health, because then you actually are probably more likely to go get stuff checked out, but also to your mental health and talking yes. about the shame and the fear yep. that goes along with this. If you have people you can talk to before you get to that point where you're going to a doctor, if you have those people that you can bounce these issues off of and, and get some comfort or encouragement to actually mm-hmm. go talk to a doctor because mm-hmm. you're scared, it takes so much of that, that mental health issue out of it. But just by normalizing the fact that we this happens to all of us. So. I'm just going to state for the record, once I come back from Facebook hibernation, if you ever need to talk to me about your period, like, that's fine. I'm okay with that. I'm open. I will talk to you about it. And now I know what menopause is, so we can talk about that, too. And Sarah will send you an angry uterus, Jeff. Yes. That's right. It's that's the right. best one. <laughs> Well, Steph, do you have any other things you wanted to make sure that you shared with us today? Just to reiterate what Rachel said, that God loves us. He made us the way we are, and he loves us that way. And it's okay to talk about it with other people mm. because God loves other your friends, too. And even <laughs> if it's not exactly the same, he made them the way they are, too. So, yeah. Mm. Absolutely. Ladies, well, Steph, first of all, thank you so much for coming. Well, thank you yeah. for having me. And having this conversation with us. It has been wonderful, and hopefully it opens up some conversations and doors for other ladies in our group to be a little bit more brave in how we talk to each other mm. as, as sisters in Christ about right. things that happen to all of us. So thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. And ladies, if you want to continue this conversation, which the four of us would be happy to in the lounge, five of us would be happy to in the lounge, um, we will be happy to, the, to continue these conversations in the lounge and point you to resources and all those things. And also more information about the CHE, the Community Health Evangelism. Uh, such a wonderful program that's happening. If you're interested in learning more about that, we can share that those details as well. If you're not in the Facebook group yet, you should totally join the Do Facebook it. group. You can find us uh, in the Lutheran Ladies Lounge group. You can find all of our podcasts at kfuo.org slash Lutheran Ladies Lounge or on your favorite podcasting app. You're listening to the Lutheran Ladies Lounge podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm Erin. I literally just learned what menopause is. (laughs) I can't even. You can't. (laughs) cannot be outdone today. My work here is done. Views and opinions expressed on the Lutheran Ladies' Lounge podcast may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO Radio, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. The Lutheran Ladies' Lounge is produced by KFUO Radio and available at kfuo.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Join our community on Facebook in the Lutheran Ladies' Lounge. This episode of the Lutheran Ladies' Lounge contains content that might... My, my, <laughs> this episode... <laughs> Sorry, now I just flicked the microphone. Outtakes. I mean, I have coronavirus. <laughs> I'm going to sip real okay. quick. Hold on. <laughs> well, then I, I, won't, I won't mention that I'm drinking tea out of a mug with Aww. a cow skull on it. This oh, is that's fantastic. On this side, it looks almost like, like the women's reproductive system. It does. Oh, yeah. No, it's a, it's a cow skull. From a skull. distance. I, was, um, I mean, that was a, a Christmas gift. We have a matching pair of these mugs from Ken's grandmother. Um,
I mean, nature so, often repeats itself. It's all yeah, it's, it's true. interesting the way, sequence. the way things things happen that way. Where can we find <laughs> visuals of the reproductive system in nature? It's an official it's penalty. Animal skulls. skulls. <laughs> and now I'm gonna play that game everywhere I go. <laughs> oh man. Do you do a riff on Destiny's Child? Oh, uh, you ladies, leave a man at home because we're gonna talk about uterine. <laughs> uterone. Uterone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna put that at the end of the podcast because I'm totally still recording. Oh this. no, you're not. <laughs> you're welcome, America. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>